there's again built-in lesson layers in these things that I learned from a young age, you know, just out of default, like just trying to struggle to emulate this or copy that. You know, man, your your vocals of just you like uh, mouthing drums feels so much better than my actual playing. It's so <laughs> annoying. Hello, hello. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and you are listening to the Big Fat Snare Drum Podcast and my squeaky chair. This week's guest is Randy Cook, and I think I should stop saying this because I'll be honest, I really only bring in my favorite players, but Randy is no exception. I certainly fluff him up at the beginning of our interview, but he just has everything you want in a drummer that plays behind you. He's so song focused, and as he states, it's not about playing more things, it's about playing the right thing. His resume includes Ringo Starr, Mick Jagger, Alanis Morissette, Dave Stewart, and believe me, many, many more. So keeping with the theme of this season, Randy breaks down the top drumming moments that shaped his style. Cheers. All right, I'm here with Randy Cook. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Ben. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to have you on because you just feel good. You you're just I've gone down a rabbit hole, many rabbit holes of your videos, and you just feel. Oh, you mean drumming? Sorry, I thought. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. I... Okay, let's just push record real quick. Um, I'm here with Randy. No. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, you are that guy that just mixes himself, and I I have played shows with you, and. From side stage, it sounds like you're this perfectly mixed drummer, and I, uh, I so admire you so your playing. Much. So let's just jump into it, man. So this is going to be the top five-ish drumming moments in either a recording or performance that kind of made you who you are as a drummer today. So yeah, let's just uh, give me the first one. All right. The first one is a, a drum fill moment on a Ricky Lee Jones Okay. album of course the drummer i know you know i'm probably the millionth person to to go on and on about this guy but it's it's steve gadd and <laughs> it is uh it's a drum fill at around the 155 mark and um the beauty of this fill and how it affected me when i heard it uh was overwhelming because I realized he had taken a little bit of his 50 ways, mm. uh, you know, uh, um, elements and put it into a two beat drum fill. And, uh, you know, we could go on for an hour and talk about 50 ways and sure, how, sure. how iconic that drum beat is. But I think a lot of, I think one little aspect goes over a lot of guys' heads who maybe do, don't go down the YouTube rabbit hole and look at how he did it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, many times Steve played a hi-hat foot before a hi-hat if he wanted two 16th notes. And this is paramount. This like this, my eyes are like, what? And, you know, when you hear the fill, you can hear ghost note snares and ghost note hi-hats, but the hi-hats sound different because one isn't being hit by a stick, but they're so close together, but it, it created this bizarre, it just sounds like different samples, but because it is, because he's playing, you know, this foot closed hat before he hits it. So instead of going, uh, t -t -t, it's yeah. foot hit. And the fill moment also in this song, in Chucky's in Love, is the song. Okay. Um, it's, it's amazing because as drummers, all we do, our job is, here comes a new section, play a drum fill. And what do we do? We hit the toms, we, you know, big crash at the end. We, this is, you know, it, it works. It's yeah. been done before, we'll do it again. But this fill, there's no toms, there's no drum fill. It's a drum fill, but it's a piece of a groove with an open hi-hat in. And it says more. It, it speaks volumes and is so huge into the next into the next verse. Whereas you're like, oh, my God, I would have never done that. I never would have done it in a million years. Sure. I would have maybe done a, a, as musical a simple fill as I could. But I, first of all, he built in technically very difficult 
things into two beats of this song. It's actually a very hard thing to do what he's doing. That's number one. Yeah. So that became a drum lesson in that itself, learning the sticking, slowing it down, playing it smoothly, building up the tempo. That gave me like actual, um, it honed skills in my playing. Like it actually, and it, 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 uh, Made me think about my hi-hat foot. It made me think about, oh, it's just not something I'm I'm smashing on. I sure. never really I never really delved into jazz. So, you know, it I you know, as a pop sort of bass player, you know, you, your hi-hat foot is there for time and it doesn't really do anything else rhythmically, you mm-hmm. know. But this was integral. The, the way he uses his hi-hat foot, and of course, this was about 79, this release. I checked uh, 50 Ways was 1975. Okay. So this is still an, an old, you know, this is four years after he'd been famous for that drum beat, but he managed to take a tiny element. It doesn't sound like that drum beat at all. Sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. That That's just a beautiful musical moment where, you know, what can work in terms of opening your, your mind as far as setting up a new section as a drummer, you know, because we're inundated with like, this is what we've, we've grown up hearing, you know, yeah. Drum fill crap, you know, it's just another way. So, so it sort of blew my mind a little bit. Like I thought, why does that work so well? Cause it, it just does. It, it's, you know, it was just perfect for the moment and, uh, and not to typical of, of a drum fill. It's so funny because you only have four limbs and your left foot is just such, I think maybe for me, I'll, I'll just speak in my experience. It just a, a foot stomp is so quiet and growing up like my right, everything else can be so loud. And so you're like, well, yeah. the best thing this can do is maybe one of those like stomps where it's kind of like the, the splash, psh, the splash. Yeah. yeah. Sure, but sure, it's like, sure. what's this little, this little dude, you know, what's, what's his purpose? I can't hear him anyway. So why would I focus on that? I want to focus on my crash ride, but, um, yeah, let's listen to it. So it's Chuck, Chuck E's in love. I, I uh, don't know this song. I'll be it's, honest. It's unbelievable. It's so good. Where is it? So people can check it out on their own. The, the breakdown starts at about a minute 40 minute 45. Okay. It's a breakdown just before, uh, verse 2 and you'll okay. hear how he brings the band in I love on, it. on verse 2 no don't come here no more but I tell you what I saw him he was sitting behind do you understand how I okay so just so you know yeah this isn't the days of records do you know how many times and how much precision you need to move a needle back a hundred times? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just think about the the era that you're in, and I was still late to the game as far as you know. I, I mean, I wasn't that. I'm not that old, but I still had to. I was playing that on a record, so mm-hmm. to hear a drum part over and over again, you had to lift. <laughs> Lift a needle over and oh, and oh, I went back too far. Oh, you know, like it was a grueling, grueling. Pro- couldn't slow it down digitally. Had none of the tools that we have today. So really, you had to, you know, really fit, your ears had to you had to train them pretty good. You know, and that just shows how. Again, I'll speak from my experience how good Gad is because there's a whole lot of space before that. So he's just sitting there in the recording. It's like when you're doing a track and someone gives you like a four bar count in before you like, just just start <laughs> yeah, me right before. Right. I don't want to like psych myself yeah. out. And then he's just like, he does it. But of course, probably first take, probably oh like my God. hungry yeah. and hangry and just, you know, whatever. no doubt, no yeah. doubt, no doubt. That's amazing. It's, that's so alpha too. I mean, like you can think of just like the biggest double bass insert here, but that fill is just right. The most confident, badass thing you can do. It could have been a big Tom thing, like not big, but like it could have been doom, doom, doom. Mm. Yeah. Ducky. But he does this thing that's like, what is this thing you're doing? And it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, not to mention, I, I just want to also say that the sound, um, I know a, a lot of guys talk about their favorite fill moments, favorite groove moments, and we're going to get into some more of my favorite groove moments, but the sound of, of drums also affected me a lot. And Steve Gadd was always known for sort of uh, meatier, drier, 
thicker snare sounds. And, oh, yeah. And in a world, you know, through the 80s and 90s where everybody was buying piccolo snare drums and cranking the crap out of their drums, here was this guy playing on everybody's records with this thud, this this dry, like, you know, wallet on the head thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it just spoke to me. For some reason, that always, you know... I love and adore all the other drum sounds in their elements, mm-hmm. uh, but I also that spoke to me a lot in terms of songwriting and, and you know what fits great in a song. That did like not a snare with a lot of ring, not a snare tuned up real high. It's a ballad. It's a slow swung ballad. So you know that works the best. And sometimes I think we overlook that aspect of of playing live or recording. You know, we might have a favorite snare sound but it that might not necessarily be you know yeah well there's a favorite snare snare that like feels good for me which is that medium to high tuning but it's it's crazy with his snare it goes in and out of style when it comes to, like the 90s yeah it was definitely more high pitched but even though it goes in and out of quote style it's still timeless when the other stuff that comes in and out isn't timeless yeah it's you true. know it's that could have been a recording <laughs> from some indie band from last year and they'd be like oh that sounds super current I know the the production's amazing and and uh, his drum sound is 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 uh, dry and in your face and yeah it's like yeah. have you ever met uh, Steve Gadd? No, but I I took a trip to New York uh, when I was uh, uh, much younger. I was probably in my mid twenties and um, in the in their version of of the Entertainment Weekly or whatever, mm-hmm. I saw the Gad Gang playing at a little club and I went and watched him play, you know, in, in his band. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that my musicality and my ears weren't trained enough then to really appreciate all of what he most likely did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just remember even then being freaked out and already, you know, I'd already heard him on Chuck Mangione records and like I'd heard him on other things that, were equally as impressive for all the same reasons, you know, the things mm-hmm. he chose to play, the way he approaches music, basically, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, basically it's more restraint than anything. Cause if you see him solo, you know, he's got chops, but he's just a guy that always chose to play the right thing as opposed to more things, you know, that's a so, great way to put it. Yeah. That I mean, was a lesson for me. You know? Sure. The right thing instead of more things. That's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like a guy like him, you might not notice how amazing he is because when you see him live before you can really put it all together, it just makes sense. Like, oh, no, that sounds perfect. And then you move on. But when you get your, like, to know how hard it is to make it sound perfect, that's when you're like, okay, yeah, he's 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 the best. Absolutely. All right. Uh, If you're ready, uh, number two. I'm ready. Super ready. (laughs) Number two is uh, um, uh, the uh, drummer playing with delays. Stuart Copeland playing mm. in Walking on the Moon at okay. about two minutes and seven seconds. When that breakdown happens, you know, the the task of emulating another drummer, the task of, of trying to copy something that you, you hear that you like, sometimes it is in of itself a, a lesson, a drum lesson. And when it comes to to mm-hmm. this song... And um, uh, this breakdown, how he plays with the delays was outstanding. I, I grew up in a in a, a seven member funk and reggae band in Toronto, Canada, which was a rock and roll city. Um, you know, it, it was unheard of to be uh, a white kid um, that was into that. It just wasn't. Uh, you know, it yeah. wasn't the style. wasn't like uh, something that 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 um was popular for my demographic yeah. let's say but but sure. i i ended up in a band with all of my most close uh family friends uh to the point that we were cub scouts together so when we were 10 years old we were cub scouts together us then jump forward we're in high school a couple of different high schools we still are 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 close family friends and all of a sudden we all play instruments and uh, these guys have a band. They need a drummer. I'm like, oh my god, I play drums, kind of. Anyways, I end up being in this band, and all we play is 
funk and reggae and disco. That's all we played. That's all I knew for the first five, six, seven years of my playing life. That's Mm -hmm. what I listened to. And that's what I played. So here I was the only white kid in an all black funk reggae band and playing, you know, Bob Marley and playing Commodore's music and Daz Band, Gap Band, all of the funk stuff. So when I heard this song and this section, here's another white guy playing reggae and he's using delays much like all of the 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 um uh the reggae artists in Jamaica were using that's it's part of the 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 thread of that music they use a lot of delays sometimes on the drums and and mm-hmm. um here was the thing i heard this section and i wanted to emulate it but of course i wasn't going to go down the rabbit hole of trying to find out what technical gear they used or delays. So I started to teach myself to play like I was playing with delays. So when you hear a little bit of this section, imagine what it did for me was I I, I used like double paradiddles and nine stroke, like actual stickings I could play and then be dynamic with them while you know playing chorus on my kick drum i could do this stuff and it sounded crazy and kind of close to to what you're about to hear especially with hi-hat things i mean i i do that even now from that moment of hearing that and going home and trying to figure out how i could do this on my own even now if i'm playing a rock beat sometimes i might go and I'll put a triplet delay myself. It's just in me now. I, I, It's there forever since that. Like since I heard drums having delays on them, I thought, well, that's cool. I can't do it live. I can't. And so I started doing it sometimes. If you're playing a, a if you're playing a ballad, a halftime ballad, you're like, mm-hmm. dun, cut, dun, cut, cut, cut. <laughs> Once in a while, I'll put in, and I'll tell you, I hear drummers doing that all the time now. Like, in you know, a lot of Nashville guys do it live, you know, because it's an effect, say, that they heard on an album that they're not going to, it's only a one-time thing or it happens a couple of times. So you get used to teaching yourself how to hit hard and do a delay, not changing the dynamic of your right hand. You know, you don't want your right hand to get lower. There's, again, built-in lesson layers in these things that I learned from a young age you know, just out of default, like just trying to struggle to emulate this or copy that, you know. Man, your your vocals of just you, like, uh, mouthing drums feels so much better than my actual playing. It's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> You're so funny, dude. Just that section of playing the hi-hat pattern, the shuffle, you know, mm-hmm. and playing playing all those rims. You playing all those rims. Because he's only playing one everything and, and the, the delays are doing the triplets. But to go to to, 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 get, 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 to play those together and the hi-hat stuff is possible. It's doable. Again, you're you're pushing your own boundaries. It might not be something that you use in your in your friggin' you know your alt rock band, but it does seep in. Like that stuff creeps in so cleverly into your playing eventually that you don't even notice it. You'll do one thing, and you're like, "Where'd that come from?" Oh yeah, because I used to listen to the you know, that police song ten years ago, and oh, I sure. worked on it that one afternoon, and I kind of got it. Like you start to just um put more in your bowl you know i always said if you put 100 things in your bowl you're really ever only going to play about 10 like nobody can actually reproduce or play all the things they've been shown or they've practiced or they've learned or or, like you know there's only a little percentage that sticks with you so the more it's kind of cool though the more that you put in you do sort of 
up both of the of the percentages right absolutely you know so it's it's a yeah so again you know i spent time figuring that out a because i probably did a lot of those covers uh in bands as i came up and uh and so i wanted to when we got to a section like that what was i gonna do like just play like a simple no i want to try and make it sound like there's all these things and you know so that was the challenge of it you know Hey y'all, I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye I'm, I'm happy you brought up the symbol. Well, technically, you brought up symbols uh, in both of your examples, and it, it really goes in line with what I think is probably not only just one of your most important videos, but one of the most important videos I think drummers could watch, which is actually the name drop Drumio. It's like a seven-minute video you did for Drumio, and I think every drummer should watch it. And the title is How to Make Your Groove Sound Better. You talk about symbol, it's like symbol dynamics. And how 99, I mean, I, I'm saying this, you didn't say this part, but I think 99% of drummers play their cymbals way too loud. And sure, um, sure. that's how you can kind of differentiate for me, an amateur to a professional. And everyone should go right, watch that video because right. you explain it so well. And then you demonstrate, you know, how you can be more busy, but as long as your dynamics are softer, you can kind of get away with more stuff. And it's kind of what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You can sneak in a lot of shit. That's for sure. I mean, God, uh, and, you know, some of that stuff you're sneaking in, uh, which is, say, you know, falls under the ghost note category, right? Whether it's sure. symbols or hi-hats or, or, or snare. Um, if you're putting them in, they're also helping your time overall because the more dissections, if you're just playing quarter notes on everything, it's hard. That's way harder. Oh, my God, yeah. If you're yeah. playing, you know... You know, your kick and snare are one and three, two and four. But underneath it, there's these other things that are percolating, whether they're eighth based or, or 16th based or, or combinations of the. That's going to solidify at where those kicks and snares fall. It's going to give you confidence. And um, yeah, I mean, isn't that really what what guys always say? You know, how do I get better feel or how do I get better time? And, and conviction and confidence uh, only come from you know confidence comes from knowing something really good and you only know it really good if you've if you've slowed things down and you know like worked on things but still all those little helpers that you're talking about the 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 dynamic things they're like that's like a grid like um you know if i if i if you're playing in the studio if you're playing studio and it's a rock track you're gonna play doom right you're gonna play that yeah if your click track is quarter notes which you're already supposed to be playing yeah and what if you're like 
doing pretty good that day and you're right on. The second you're right on, what don't you hear anymore? Click. The click track. Yeah. As soon as you don't hear the click track, your brain, without telling you, goes, I don't hear the click track. Play a little off so I know that it's there and I'm, I'm we're together. And what happens is you actually end up thinking more about playing on the click track because it's only so why not have an eighth note shaker why not have something no one else is going to hear it whether that's live studio you can call it you know oh it's kind of cheating though isn't it because now it's really easy to just fit quarter notes over yeah sure it is but the end result is you feeling more comfortable not thinking about the click now it feels like there's like a percussionist standing beside you playing along. You guys are just sure. playing together. And that therein, you're you're good to go. Like the minute you stop thinking about I need to play in time, I need to play in time, I have to be on the click. Um, then you can you can now be a drummer, you can be a, a musician and perform. But uh, if you've got that quarter note hammer, <laughs> cowbell, like to me that's intimidating. That's like pressure to me and you don't ever want clicks to be pressure on you like it can't make you feel anxious you know so well that makes me feel uh, a lot better because <laughs> i always would prefer give me the give me give me 30 second notes just uh you know <laughs> yeah right who cares that nobody's gonna hear it except you so uh, yeah. You know, whatever gets a job done, obviously there are different ways to work on one's time. And, and then I really feel that, that playing with clicks, um, when you take them away, uh, really just <clears throat> helps your, your time overall. I mean, it, it, it's basically trained you to be in, in, in as much time as you can. Of course, we're all human. You take away a click, you're going to drift, you're going to go up and down, but that's okay. That's amazing. But you're yeah. not going to like leap forward 10 bpm that's not gonna sure. happen anymore promise you know like <laughs> you know i love that you're saying this because you're the authority for two reasons a just from the first thing i said which is you feel good and i we don't have to talk about this because i know that you've talked about it a lot but i mean you've gotten the ringo approval and that he is the <laughs> ultimate walking sitting whatever he's doing he is a metronome he is so he uh is. you are definitely the authority on that so that makes me and l the oh. listeners that kind, makes you feel good. Kind words. And you keep saying, I feel good. You're such a flirt, man. I mean, really, <laughs> right on the podcast. I mean, you think well, you'd save it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's, let's jump into the next one. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so excited. Every, well, when everybody was, was talking about how brilliant, and it was, trust me, there, I don't think there was a drummer alive that didn't, Go home and 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 shed uh, Rosanna by Toto and and mm. analyze that <clears throat> that Percaro beat. Uh, uh, I when I heard "Fool in the Rain" with John Bonham by mm. Zeppelin, <clears throat> it was slower and it ha it's exactly the same elements as far as the as the triplet um, yep. thing. Uh, it it instilled i know we've probably just talked about this but it instilled that whole dynamic thing actually you brought it up about the drumming thing but it it really uh beat home how integral and crucial it was to play your my play my ghost notes uh way softer than i thought i was playing them like mm -hmm. i thought I am. I'm not playing them loud. I'm playing them softer than the big snares. <laughs> yeah. And I was, absolutely. But why didn't my... I would play Fool in the Rain, and it, it just didn't sound... I'd listen to it again, I'd listen to it again, and I'd go, okay. The difference between his loud snare and the little guys is way larger than what I'm doing. Like, it's just... There's way more spread there. Like, you know, and to use the proper words, there's more, way more dynamic range. But regardless of the of the the bigger words the ghost notes were barely there and the the big ones were in your face the kick and snare was just smashing you in the face and all mm -hmm. of the triplet stuff was underneath it hi-hats ghost strokes and that groove 
oh my god you gotta just play like 30 <laughs> seconds yeah. of that groove it's right off the top i don't need to give you a minute it goes yeah. it's literally from zero but you know many have many have uh attempted to emulate that but you know many have also failed and the only reason is because it's that's the key the key obviously having a a, a very smooth triplet feel but playing that being able to play your left hand and your right hand soft but then belt out a snare drum on two and four that that was one of the things that that uh that changed changed my playing forever you know it, it's it'll be with me forever and i and uh you know when you hear it you know when you see a drummer hear a drummer you hear it on a recording you see it live you go oh that guy he gets it like he you yep. can see it you see the spread the dynamics the stick heights and some guys just do it naturally. Some people just it's the way they play. Amazing. But some people it doesn't come as naturally. So you just all you needed to do was go, just what you think is soft isn't as soft. Play softer. I mean, that's it right there. And it's hard. It's actually hard to do that. And so you got to slow down and blah, 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 all the crap that we do and we learn stuff. But <laughs> if, you if you know, it's, yeah. So you just take your time. You slow poop down and, uh, and worry about how hard you're hitting things or not hard. And all of a sudden, you, you start to realize the world is much bigger when it comes to drumming. Because it's not, you know, because it can be all soft or all loud. There's absolutely, dude, if I'm playing a Nirvana type song, I'm going to smash the shit out of that crap. I'm going to use a 20 inch crash and, you know, Godspeed for the, for the well-being of that symbol. <laughs> but yeah. that's because that, that you've got to have that sound. If you're listening to Van Halen, man, that, that crash symbol was like a layer of sound that just went yeah, like through the entire, you know, but, uh, you know, we I you know we talk about bell the bell of a ride symbol and all that stuff, and we all know that it's like a fire alarm if you don't keep that under control. You know, yeah, and and that's where that's where you see it. That's where you see that that someone hasn't just taken the second and gone. Oh, wait a minute, crash loud? Yes. As soon as I went to my bell, bell loud? No, it's not. <laughs> it's so it's so annoying. You know. Anyways, uh, yeah, and it's funny. Uh... I like to listen to the, the 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 solo drum track, which there's a track on YouTube where it's just him, Amazing. and he always starts he always starts off with the in hell, and then he goes into it. And so whenever I hear the song, I always imagine it starting with that, and then yeah. But I right. Hey, you know what would be cool is after you play a little bit of what you just played, play a little bit of the exposed drum beat. Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll drop in play, the audio. Play yeah. a little bit. Play a couple bars of that, and then it's just like oh my god. Wow. Okay, so uh, my my next um, one was just a fill a drum fill moment. Um, mm -hmm. Again, the drum fill was awesome, but inside the drum fill, there's it's actually technically challenging. It's just not all single strokes across toms. It involved toms and feet and phrases. It was a triplet fill, but of course it was phrases of fours instead of threes so instead of it was and that's how it started again you it's so simple to hear and talk about <laughs> but when you go and <laughs> yeah. sit down it takes a moment to wrap your head around playing a four phrase where right left kick kick right left kick kick over uh 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's hard. So the famous, famous fill. I mean, every drum. I mean, I am not alone when I tell you when everybody heard this one fill in this ballad, uh, people couldn't shut up about it. It was Michael Bland in Prince's tune, Diamonds and Pearls. It was about two minutes, 44 seconds. And he starts out with the four phrasing and then goes into regular singles to, to, to lead out of the fill. Super standard triplets on the toms. But he starts it with, a, with a, a phrase, phrases of four over triplets. ovation standing drummer standing ovation right there michael i know you're out there you're probably in minneapolis god love you thank you for that it is and i believe if you listen closely the beginning of each of the doubles is flammed that's another layer of hard difficult not easy let me listen to it one more time You are correct. You are correct, <laughs> sir. <laughs> oh yeah. If you thought just playing like just right left, flam the first stroke. It's it is not easy. I promise you. But it's an amazing thing to to just why not work on it? You could that's a fill you could steal and use and it'll work. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, How old were yeah. you when so, you when you heard that? Was that was that a later in your drumming career, or is that when it first came out? Yes, yes, no, no. This was you know this was when when it was released. You know, I mean, it's not that it's you know. How old is that album? Jeez, I don't know. At least a decade. Uh, like, it's, it's, yeah, I can go to it. Um, go to album. If not more. Ninety one. Ninety one. There you go. So twenty two decades. Um, yeah. So so uh, just to let you know. I want to couple my next one. They're together because uh, Michael also played uh, just the drum beat. Just listen to the first four bars of Sexy MF. I'm not going to say the words because it's not good for the kids. <laughs> but listen to the drum beat and tell me automatically what you don't hear. I'll tell you. You don't hear two and four. They built a song that worked perfectly around this beat and think about how ballsy that was on the on the part of prince as an artist on on the drummer as a you know coming up with this groove and 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 yeah them both going yeah that's perfect that's perfect i'm all right you know because all the instrumentation is is around that groove against every and it's a catchy song it was it, you know it was one of his more more uh, uh memorable tunes and um uh and there you have this one two and one two, and there's the main thing and uh it, it just, it's so smooth it just sails along it's not like oh this is awful this is you know I'm used to the, you know, two and four. Why couldn't it be this? No, it didn't need to be, you know. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that in because it's the same drummer, same guy. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it definitely, those are two drastically different sounding vibes, too. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, that, totally. that that's a very, like, rootsy Philadelphia thing. And the other one was just, like, showy, you know. And... <laughs> just, well, just anthem. The other one is, like, a rock anthem the biggest drum fill in the night is happening right now, and I'm gonna play. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's it, it's uh, it, yeah. it delivered, you know. Um, that 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 uh, sexy MF groove. You know, sometimes if I'm just playing a a, a regular you know swung funk feel, dun cut, dun dun cut, dun cut. Instead of a drum fill, I'll go cut, dun cut, dun 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 dun. And I do a little, it's a little, little nod, little throwback, but it works perfectly. Again, you know, it's your drum moment, but 
it doesn't have to be all this, right? Uh, so, uh, just such a cool groove. doesn't matter if you ever even use it anywhere. It's great to, to learn how to swing like that and play that pattern. You know, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I think that's my five, dude. Oh, that's the five. That's okay. My any, five. any honorable mentions? One, two, three. No, that's. Oh no no! I got five. I got a, I got a fifth one. No 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 no. And this is gonna freak Ooh. you out because guess what? It's not okay. a real drummer. Uh, that's totally fine. When I heard this drum beat, number one, my ears were definitely not trained enough out of the gate to know that it wasn't a real drummer. I I just heard it and thought. A, it was it it sounded so difficult and don't kid yourself it, it is difficult but I thought it was a real guy and I thought uh, this is insane it's not even in four four time like this beat is not in four four time <laughs> of course not only was it in four four time but it it uh, it wasn't a real dude it was a machine but interestingly <laughs> enough the machine was a vintage drum machine called the Lindrum back in the day. It was from, I believe I wrote down, LM1 was the motto. And when you bought this drum machine, it came with pre-existing loops. Okay. Some of which were programmed by famous drummers. Oh, okay. I didn't know they had a little proprietary stuff. Okay. When you hear this drum beat and I tell you who the drummer is, he was never associated with funk or any kind of R&B in that respect. Mm. But you'll hear his style of 16th note craziness instantaneously. Okay. And the song is 777-9311 by Morris Day in the Time. Now, if Morris Day in the Time doesn't ring a bell for you or anybody. If if you'd ever seen the movie Purple Rain by Prince, Morris Day is the other artist in the movie. They're the competing artists okay. in the storyline. You know, they're playing these this club night where you know one band plays a song, then another band plays a song. You know, it's kind of like that, and uh, it's you know an anthemic movie, by the way. Uh, uh, it's just incredible. But this drum beat is in four four time. And I, like many guys, still to come and have, have I tasked myself and challenged myself that I'm going to learn this drum beat. It's not human. It's a machine. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a little bit of a, 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 a tiny different take on it. Um, ever so small. But every anybody that I've seen do it on YouTube, etc., has come really close or, or, or pretty much nailed it um uh and you'll hear why when you hear it because when you program really fast hi-hat stuff you know machines can do things they can open and close hi-hats like unnaturally yeah you know not like humans do it so there's a bit of that challenge but i can tell you the beat you're about to hear i can now play and have been able to play for years and it's a bizarre it's gonna sound funny, but it's almost a rite of passage. It's like you know when guys come and go. Oh, so you play Zeppelin? Can you play Moby Dick? And like that's their bar. Like if you can play, you know, you're not good until you can do that. Well, this was like an inside kind of funk player bar. If you said, "Oh, I play funk," they go, "Oh yeah? <laughs> can you play seven seven nine three eleven? And of course, it wasn't a human being, anyways. But when you hear it, the groove. The groove, uh, again, this is very much like um, Prince and Sexy, where it's it's not a regular drum beat. The snare is not always on two and four, sometimes in this beat, but it's a two-bar pattern. Top of the tune, play.
That's insane. It was David Garibaldi. And you can hear it. It was two one-bar patterns put together, and you can see the you can see the phrasing. If you play just the first bar by itself over and over again, you go, "Oh yeah, that that could be a Tower Power groove right there. That that could easily be a Tower Power song." If you play the second beat just alone, you go, "Oh yeah." You put them together, it's just craziness. But I, you know, I, I'll never. I don't really know the 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 story. I know that Jesse Johnson, who was in Prince's band was the guitar player who had like a Japanese head band all the time and he had solo records. Jesse is quoted as saying, you know, yeah, that was the LM1. That was a, you know, we got that groove because there's this, this song and that programming has a little bit of folklore to it as to, you know, maybe it was a real guy playing the kit. No, no, no. You can clearly hear that, that it's just a drum machine playing those songs. Yeah. There's no way that's, Yeah. But the beautiful thing about that drum beat is the first kick drum is on the E of one. And that's what throws everyone. So one, two, yeah. three, four. And the so in one bar in one bar, the snare is on the two. That's the only regular thing you get. You get one E and two and and a three. And the next snare, instead of being on four, is displaced one sixteenth note, the four E. So it's one, two, three, four. So inside the groove, you have a little bit of groove, a little bit of regular time. Yeah. So both of that last snare and the first kick are off by one sixteenth note and. Not to mention what the hi-hats are doing. Forget about it. It's ridiculous. That's what yeah, makes that's... that groove. Already just the kicks and snares. Just the kicks and snares are hard alone. But adding <laughs> yeah. the hi-hat element in is days and days of... But it's possible. You can emulate it. And if you slow it down, you put a little metronome on. Man, when you start to feel that drum beat even slow... like. I've just joked around in tunes where it's not even that fast, you know. It's like half speed. And you play that, if you can feel it and you're playing it, it's like, wow, that sounds cool slow. It sounds really cool. Three, four. Just imagine playing a drum fill and going across the bar line by 116 though just that alone is is crazy talk yeah. you know it's crazy talk but but once in a while you sneak that little bad boy in and, and you uh, get fired <laughs> and you get fired never to be caught exactly again. yeah yeah <laughs> the the lindrum machine that it came with that wasn't the suggested tempo of those beats was it or or i guess you can kind of program <laughs> no, it to whatever no, for, yeah for sure <laughs> for sure, for sure, no. But it made for a supremely challenging funk drum groove, you know, that 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 f- will forever be on the list. Listen, when we talk about drum grooves that that you know, you know, like uh, the you know the ten most essential drum grooves to learn before you die. One of those books. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's that's going to be one of them. You know, you're going to get Rosanna. You're going to get a. Bottom, you're gonna get, you know, but that that has to be in there because it, even though it wasn't played by a drummer, it is emulated to this day and and will be, you know, on and on. So I I mean, again, learning learning stuff like that for me, it forced me to slow down. It forced me to to think about my hands. You know, you can play things a bunch of ways. You know, when you talk when it comes to sixteenth note grooves, right? You can play or you can play and what makes your choice what why why do you choose what you choose it depends maybe there's a fill coming up or something on the left side of the kit that you need to hit so you change like you do things to accommodate the ergonomics of the instrument right so so that's drum beat forces you trust me (laughs) I'm not gonna say if you if you ever have an afternoon that you literally want to waste and never get that time back (laughs) Yeah, it's still it's still going to add to your musicality and it's still going to challenge your t- 
technical abilities because it's technically ridiculously hard drum beat. It's it's crazy talk. Well, and like I was saying earlier, the 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 times when you a song starts and I don't know where the one is because it, it, the the song I've already played it, but it starts off with you're like, okay, this is kind of cool, and then the drums really come in, and you're like, that's not what I thought anything was. Like, who is what is life? That, that has <laughs> happened to me so many times, and the worst part about it is once your brain hears it the wrong way, <laughs> good luck, good luck Yep. learning it. I've actually had to chart out things wrong on purpose so that I can come in right because I can't. They're like, no, it's all in, it's all in four. I'm just starting the guitar le- like on the, and the three. It's like, it, it's too late. Like, nice, Pete. To me, yeah. you're playing. Yeah. To me, it's a bar of seven and then I'm coming in. <laughs> That's it. Game over. Yeah. <laughs> can't relearn it. <laughs> Whatever you're it's doing like, is working, man. So, <laughs> uh, Ben, thank you, buddy. <laughs> well, where, where where can people? I mean, where can people find you? I know you also have your own podcast that you've been doing, kind of a newer venture. Uh, we're, we're yeah, we're having fun. It's really not my own podcast. Uh, uh, it's actually Adam Gainer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, formerly of Matchbox Twenty, guitar player, singer, songwriter. Um, it's his podcast, and I'm just his sidekick. But mostly, uh, I just love it when people cruise by the Instagram account. I think that that's I post enough little drumming snippets, and of course, there's my YouTube page that has some stuff there too. So yeah, yeah. No, you uh, again. If you want a lesson on how to sit within a song, yeah, definitely go to your YouTube page. Oh man, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks so much, Ben. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at BigFatSnareDrum. The audio you're hearing was edited with Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's magic. So go check that out at Isotope.com. This episode is also sponsored by Waves Audio. The podcast would take me so much longer to edit if it wasn't for the Waves Vocal Writer plugin. It rides the fader in real time and keeps both my and my guest's audio at a consistent level without the need to overcompress. I also use an endless amount of their plugins for my musical recordings, such as Abbey Road Saturator, CLA Drums, the SSL channel, and many more. Go check them out at waves.com or click the link via the podcast show notes and you make us money if you go through that link, which is never a bad thing. So, cheers.